0: A quick note before we get started. Did you know we have an email list? Go to hpleadershippodcast.com and enter your email into the form at the bottom left to sign up. Get our PDF on common obstacles and teamwork sent right to your inbox. Subscribers get first listens on new shows and exclusive content. Sign up today, hpleadershippodcast.com. On episode 23 of the High Performance Leadership Podcast, Jeff Shirk.
1: We are visual communicators. Studies have shown there's about 55% we're visual communicators hearing what isn't being said.
0: You're listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Insights and information from world-class leadership experts. Thanks for joining us. I'm Randy Lane. Today, we're talking with Jeff Shirk. Jeff started his career as a mechanic. He later worked as a district manager for Snap-on Tools, where he helped develop leaders inside of the company. Now he's taking his experience to small businesses as CEO of Dynamic Leadership Tools, a business consulting firm in Southern California. Jeff is also a 360 Solutions strategic partner. He's passionate about effective communication. We talk a lot about visual communication and developing listening skills. Stay tuned.
2: We are excited to have Jeff in the studio today. We really appreciate you carving out some time and spending uh, about an hour with us here. And, you know, we always start every one of the podcasts with having you tell us a little bit about your background, kind of what brought you to the point you're at right now in your career, and then we'll kind of go from there. So Jeff, welcome. Well, thanks for having me. It's great to be here. Yeah, I, I started way back, very early in my career
1: as a mechanic, and I always loved the creativity of that and actually helping others learn how to fix a car or modify a car. So I grew up in through my career with that. With my dad's service station, I eventually had my own business. Uh, went on with major other automotive industries and to manage their stores. Uh, eventually, because of the tool business, the automotive vi- business, and using the tools, I was recruited into Snap-on Tools mm. and was a dealer in the Southern California area, and eventually was asked to be a field district manager. So I went on to that, and I love that because it's the same thing, I'm teaching others. My job was to recruit tool salespeople. Well, I'm sorry, as a dealer, my job was to sell tools, mm-hmm. okay, and support the mechanics. Well, then I was asked to become the district manager, moved to the Northern California area, and yes, recruit tool salespeople. I didn't look at it as recruiting a tool salesperson. I've got to help this person develop a business, and keep their wife happy, mm-hmm. because you know they got to eat, and they but they've got to be happy. They're out there. Oh man, I love tools. You know, I'm going to sell tools. And so mostly we recruited mechanics. And then we discovered, uh, no offense, but and I was a mechanic. They're not the best business people. Mm-hmm. Okay, so I said let's look for a business person and develop a business that likes to be around cars and tools. Eventually became part of a training management team, and I got more gratification and reward personally from watching the development of the other person than any monetary reward I ever received for it. Hmm. So that's where I really got my passion of helping others and teach others. 20 year career with that, things had changed. I ended up uh, actually going back into a franchise business on my own and ran a second truck. And things changed, and I said, 20 years, it's time for this career to wrap up and, you know, kind of go on on my own on something else. So I started doing some direct consulting with automotive businesses to help them increase their business. I had an opportunity to move back to Southern California with a pretty large company to help in their underperformers. Um, did that for a little while. When that ran out, decided to make a move back, but just sh- shortly before that, I wanted to get bigger in a consulting uh, position, and I wanted to be taken seriously, more seriously, because at that point, it's like, you know, my name's not recognizable name out there, although, I, you know, I have a good product for what I deliver, which was really experiential. I needed something behind me that was going to be recognized, that was going to be a bigger platform that I believed in, started doing some research, and there's plenty of out there. Well, I came across 360 Solutions, and I started reading the material, mm. and talking to the people involved with that, and I realized, you know, this fits with the mentality that I've had and how I've been going about doing things anyway. It's like, wow, you know, here, to what was instinctual to me was actually structured in a way that can be delivered more effectively and still be more ingenuine because I don't have to put on an act. So that's why I came across 360 Solutions. I said, here, this is my platform to really grow from and grow with and become more recognizable. And here I am, still growing and uh, looking forward to, you know, doing even more wonderful and and using that material
2: well we're glad that you're here and and i can tell you that uh, your story is indicative of a lot of people that have a passion to help businesses help individuals help leaders and they're looking for a platform a, a format tools that they can use in their consulting practice because they're what they're passionate about is helping others and helping businesses and building their own practice But writing and developing technology and tools and training programs is sometimes not in their wheelhouse. It's the teaching and the developing that's in their wheelhouse. So that's why it's a perfect fit. But, you know, I want to go back just a second because you mentioned that your dad, he owned service stations? He had a service station in Southern California. So was this back in the day when they would actually wash your windshield and check all the fluids in your car? And you would sit in your car and they'd come swipe your credit card with that ch You know, that thing, they go back and forth and the day of it called being called a service station, which is like an oxymoron
1: now, (laughs) of course, a full service. Absolutely. It was kind of unique too. It was, uh, in Pasadena. And if some of you remember the days when mobile came out with the round canopies over the gas pumps, Mm -hmm. it was the first round canopy in California.
2: Oh, so it
1: was kind of unique and they kind of highlighted it. And I was 12 years old and I'd ride my bike across the town to the station and watch the mechanics change and brakes
2: going. I can do that. And that's kind of where it was. You so know? the I'm dating myself a little bit, but I, I do remember stations where you would pull up and they would it was full service. They'd fill your washer fluid and wish windshield and check your oil and fill the gas for you. But then the mechanics were right there. They usually have two or three or four bay shop where you would get your your oil change and your car fixed right there at the gas station. Exactly. And, That's
1: exactly what it was. And today, no, no Coca Cola in the office.
2: You know, yeah. no, no vending machines. And yeah, the everything all hands on stuff. Yep. So being in the the tool business uh, for as long as you were, and seeing the transition from when your dad owned the business to what it is today. What do you think the the good and the bad of that is? Well, that's hard to say. You know, the convenience store, you
1: know, they make a lot more money on that stuff than they do the gas, of course. Mm -hmm. So... From an owner's perspective, yeah, he has less headache and less personnel because of the mechanics and things of that nature. You know, there's liabilities. From a personal perspective, that hands-on personal touch has been lost because yeah. we're we're in a digital world. We're in a get-it-done-yesterday world. And some of that personal touch has been lost. And, and I fully believe that this is where organizations struggle because they have lost that touch. They have forgotten that in one of the quotes, we're not. Thinking machines, we're feeling machines that think. We're people. We're emotional beings first, and that connection has been lost. So a lot of the growth and development has been lost. And if they can figure they can push a button and accomplish what they want and get a paycheck, that's should all be what's required. But nowadays, you know, if you can't click the button and get it, then people stop, and there's no personal interaction, and therefore the development has been lost. And that's where the organizations are suffering nowadays because they've stopped finding value in that.
2: Mm -hmm. So one of the things that we talked about before we started was your current business right now and kind of your target market in California. And you mentioned the concept of mastermind groups and uh, what a mastermind group looks like and what you're trying to develop. Can you tell me what, what you mean by a mastermind group and what that is? Well,
1: the Mastermind Group, uh, the real title of it is 12 Principles of Leadership, and it does break down 12 different concepts that are tools that, when mastered and then learned how to bring them together at the appropriate time, make people effective leaders. The leadership program is is just a part of uh, another program in what is necessary for foundation for organizations to, to build a strong foundation. They've got to build on leadership, but that's only just one part of High performance organization. And I, I, because I relate to it, we can break it up into segments to where we can focus and we don't get drowned in the whole bucket of quote, quote, leadership. It makes it easy to accept the concepts one at a time. I relate to that because of my background in, in helping others develop, helping the person develop. Some people focus on processes. I like to focus on the person. Mm -hmm. Uh, the person is what the process must be implemented with if you don't have the people to implement the process the process is worthless sure so I love the mastermind concept because of the 12 principles the mastermind concept, of course small group format small group format being making it interactive physical activities brain sweat activities I will not talk at people nobody wants to be talked at so we're gonna make it fun and we're gonna make it a little bit physical in short segments Focusing on a particular subject this particular week. I start my groups with leading with vision to okay. teach them the difference from manager to leader to visionary leader. And of course, manager to leader, most people understand. Leader to visionary leader, I get that deer in headlight look sometimes. What does that really mean? And you mean to tell me I can predict the future? Well, <laughs> not necessarily predict it, but you can perhaps control its direction. Yeah. And understanding how those, the greatest visionary leaders think is one of the steps to you getting there. So we, we break it down into segments. So even though the 12 principles is 12 separate principles, even within the each principle, it can be broken up into sections. Hmm. So you can absorb it, a space at a time, in a, sp- in a repetition type of a program, And then we'll interject different activities and a little bit of homework in there and accountability and follow-up so that you can focus on that one before we move to the next one. I normally like to follow up the next one with effective communication. Because if you've got a vision and you can't communicate it, it's like having the process and not having the people. Mm -hmm. Communication is one I really, really like a lot. And it's all done in a small group format. I try to keep it six to eight people. It just is the perfect size. Too small, not enough engagement, too big. People don't speak up. You get lost and, and... You know, you don't get the same effect out of things. Yeah. Because it's not a lecture program. I facilitate my participants engaging with each other, sharing ideas from different dynamics and different uh, perspectives of their own lives and professional life that another participant may relate to the way this person delivers the same message I may have given, but it's coming from the instructor. Sure. So I drag ideas out of people and it just, I call it the volcano effect. It just starts to overflow. Mm-hmm. And it becomes a lot, a, a lot more fun for everybody. It becomes fun for me. I learn things that I can then pass on. We're
2: all human. If we're not learning every day, there's something wrong. Sure. So, in these groups that you put together, are they all from one industry? Are they uh, a mix of anybody who wants to participate from, you know, a, a first-time supervisor slash emerging leader all the way up to someone who's a CEO of a company, or or do you try and put them in You know, groups that are logical in terms of their growth trajectory, meaning millennials together, middle managers together, you know, senior leaders together. You're right on the money
1: there, Chip. Yes, I have one group that is considered millennials. And they're all from different businesses, different backgrounds, different developmental stages. But they're close enough to where they relate and they can learn from each other. I have a group starting up very soon. That is more in your middle management. Okay. Because, yeah, if we put a CEO with a first time service writer, they're not going to relate. One's overwhelmed, one's bored. So it won't be as effective. It has to be interrelational. Mm-hmm. They have to be willing to open up and talk. And if one's so intimidated by the other person, then it's not going to be good. They're not going to enjoy the experience. So, absolutely do focus on finding like minded people. Communication techniques even myself it have to be effective for me to find those people and get them to open up. You know, they interview me as much as I interview them when they're looking at any kind of, a, they should be doing that with any kind of a program that they're going to engage in so that they know it's a good fit for both people. So the communication factor is is big, and i sure people, most people can relate to the fact that really two-thirds of communication is using the two ears, and those are the two-thirds, so, not yeah. the mouth, and I, I, re- I resonate uh, a lot with the communication segment of it. There's some activities that are a lot of fun. It really breaks down a lot of barriers. It gets people to open up a lot of eyes. In that area, one of the things that we talk about in communication, you know, most people realize, yeah, communication is a two-way street, and most people say, yeah. I say I might argue with you on that one, and then they go, well, you know what? So we throw some other ideas out there. Well, did you clarify the communication? Did you really make sure you got the right answer that you that you thought they were going to answer, or did you hear it the way that they, you know, did you hear what they felt? You know, it's like on the phone. Let them let them hear you smile. Well, sometimes you've got to hear what isn't being said. And of course, you know, it really garners a lot of conversation. So I really like the communication part of it. So is it a, a full day
2: or a half a day? The mastermind programs are half a day once a month. And what if I like the concept, but I haven't mastered the concept? Is there additional resources or things that I can tap into with you or others? We know at the, with Google out there, there's
1: how many resources, but right. how many people really resonate with what they're what they think they're looking for. And they might read something. Okay, I got some great words. I got some great information. But did it, did it stick? Did it resonate with my thought process? I have a process of, by which I actually select people being in the group because someone can say, yeah, I love, I, I love what I hear from you. Here's a check. Are you going to engage? Are you going to fit with this? It has to work for both. Mm-hmm. So we have an assessment platform. Uh, that's uh, you know another thing that we do. I use this assessment as a candidate. It's like a profile assessment or a personality mm-hmm. assessment to get to know the people a little bit better before that. And that's something that I do include into my program. Uh, it helps me be a better facilitator and, and a resource for the people that are in my program because I understand what they're looking for and what their needs are when they don't even understand them. Because we all have a higher opinion of ourselves than we probably should. Mm-hmm. And so we, we have our egos. We don't want to put them aside and say, yeah, I really do need help. And this is one of the challenges is in in this kind of a business is getting the people to admit their their faults, mm-hmm. you know, and that they need to improve and say, yeah, I guess I do want to pay more taxes in my business, so maybe I should look at <laughs> some improvement, you know. So that is a part of the process. A little, um, I usually offer up a, a couple hours of a coaching a session ahead of time. Let's get to know each other. Let's have a conversation. I mean, you know, this is just what I'm going to do, and the investment that I'm going to make in the time and the development of my potential participants at that point then they decide let's yeah it's a good fit I like the what I hear from you I like the little material here I like your format well, because it's a 30-day deal, we don't want people to go through my half a day and then throw a book on a counter and forget about it all month and not do anything with it. So I have what I call an accountability phone call. And of course, I'm not going to spank their hand if they don't show up. It's their loss as far as I'm concerned. I'll be very direct about that. They call in at a specific time. I, they have 15 to 30 minutes, whatever they feel they need. If they choose this option uh, for me to reinforce the information, hey, are you using it? What have you, what have you liked about it? What have you struggled with? So there is more to it than just get the little class and then forget about it all a month. Mm-hmm. And I still offer, a, a in addition, if they still feel like they need more, all right, I really didn't get that concept. And I know how important this is. I know how important it is to be able to communicate effectively and really be a better listener. And I just haven't been able to break my habits. You know, well, I'm going to make them develop. That's That's on me. And that's what drives me to see them change and see them improve and how it affects them in their personal and their professional life, especially when we can measure it in the profession, which I've got results there that a couple of them are pretty phenomenal, quite frankly. So they get an extra one-hour, you know, coach session on that particular topic. Don't waste my time. Don't waste your time. Let's not just shoot the breeze. No, let's let's focus on this. Let's make you make you master that tool because I don't profess to make people great leaders, but I will teach you the topics one at a time. And have you be effective with them. And when I can then show you how to bring them in a particular situation when you need to apply that, then you'll become an effective leader. Then you can put that topic away. Let's say it was resolving conflict. Okay, I I have a conflictual situation. We need to use those skills right now, but we don't need to be on guard all the time. So let's bring it down, let's use it, let's put it back away. Sort of like pulling down a computer folder Mm -hmm. and let's put it away and then keep open minded with using some skills from the emotional intelligence side of things, and let's recognize, be empathetic so you can see the situations from another p- viewpoint. And then you'll understand how to use those sc- those skills to become an effective leader. So when you're doing these coaching sessions, what are the topics
0: that come up over and over again?
1: Emotional intelligence is a big one. That It's almost a catchphrase nowadays. Uh, you, you see that a lot, but it's obviously now recognized of how important that really is. That is obviously request a lot in the mastermind group though, I, the re- communication really resonates with me. Again, mm-hmm. we can have all these ideas. If we can't effectively communicate them, then how can we have apply all the other ideas, the other processes, so to speak. And again, people forget that two thirds of it's really the, on the listening side. And people say, ah, I'm, I'm a good listener. Yeah. People really, really see themselves after going through this and not in a negative way though. They see, Wow. Okay. I, I get it. I thought I was doing that when I really wasn't. I was taking it for granted because we just think we do. Mm-hmm. But when they, I make them focus on it and do things purposefully, deliberately, instead of instinctually, you become more effective with it and still remain true to your own paradigms and foundations. So I love the communication segment. So it's what are a, some
0: things I can do to become a better listener?
1: Well, again, these are things that, uh, you know, people take in for granted. I mean, listen empathetically, truly show, you are interested in what the other person is saying. I mentioned a few minutes ago about hearing what isn't being said. That is also communication. Um, there's three levels of communication, verbal, vocal, and visual. We are visual communicators. Studies have shown there's about 55% we are visual communicators hearing what isn't being said. So when people think of that as well, I'm a visual communicator. Okay. I use my hands. That's why Randy and I do podcasts. We're not very well, we're not very good at the, the visual communication. Well, so yeah, people think visual communication. They're still thinking of I'm communicating, I'm speaking. When people talk about communication, first thing they think is how I talk. Yeah. No,
2: it needs to be how you listen, okay? Yeah. And it's that's the, the, t- the that's the, the, the tough eye, part. The eye contact, the shaking your head, yes, I understand, I hear you, Right. not folding your arms, but being open, those kind of things? Right. Exactly. That, that's all visual communication.
1: And that's visual listening. And that's where people are forgetting. Maybe we should change it to effective listening instead yeah. of effective communication because that is the most important part of really anybody's lives. Obviously, none of us are going to understand what to speak unless we understand what we heard first.
0: So not only do you need to watch the other person to see the visual cues they may be giving you with their body language about their real intention, but you should also be aware of, of what you're doing back to them. Because if, you, if you're if you closed off, they're going to be like, well, maybe I, I don't need to share with this person. Or maybe right. they're not really listening to me. But if you're open and you're engaging with them, right. they're going to be more open with you, right?
1: Absolutely. There's so many businesses, and especially in our business, listening is without a doubt the most important skill that we can master. We need to help people with their problems. We need to help people with their issues. They'll never tell us, those problems and issues unless we make it comfortable to do so so
2: I would say today more than ever and it's a growing concern is that the new generation of leaders that are emerging are more comfortable texting you know social using social using their phone so communication to them isn't setting the phone down and looking eye to eye with someone Communication the game is you know with characters and emojis and everything they they consider that communication. It's like
0: emoji is instead of actually making that facial expression,
2: <laughs> you just make an emoji. Or right. if you
0: if you say something that could be taken two ways, putting a, a smiley face at the end, yeah, makes them you know lets them know that you're not being too serious about
1: yeah. it. <laughs> you're all familiar with the movie Wally. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we're, we're headed into that kind of society, aren't we? <laughs> we're not careful, <laughs> you know,
2: but that's a struggle, isn't it? I mean, if, if yeah. the form of communication has evolved, if you want to call it evolved or has changed is more the way I see it, it's a struggle then to figure out because I can tell you when you look at email, texts, social media, the level of passive aggressive communication that can be in those is easier for people to be passive aggressive When they don't have to sit face to face with somebody, they can shoot an email, they can send a text that's a lot more sharp and direct than they ever would do if they were face to face with someone. Right. And so it's changed also, as we know that through those things, it's hard to interpret what was meant by the email, what Mm -hmm. was meant by the text. So we, it's left to an assumption on our part and we all know what happens when we assume stuff. It's usually not to the positive. It's usually to the worst. So Communication, I would agree with you, Jeff, completely is a skill, an art to an extent that it that our generation or the whole society is struggling with yep. because of technology. Right.
0: I'm not good with it either, but I tell my kids when, when they're talking to me, when I'm talking to them, I need to see their eyeballs, right? Right. Because they're they're living in this digital world and they'll be like, you know, I'm watching the iPad, but I am listening to you too. I don't buy it, yeah. but at the same time, you know, I'm here in a work environment, and I like to take notes on my phone, or I, I used to do that more.
2: <laughs> you and then,
0: used to? and then, and then, Chip would assume <laughs> that I, I wasn't paying attention. I'm, I'm on Facebook. I'm texting. No, I'm taking notes, but it's a it's a perception thing. So if I'm taking some notes on actual paper, if I'm breaking from my note writing to make eye contact with you and to agree with you and add to the conversation, the perception is more that I'm engaged than if I'm on my phone. And it's, it's a generational thing as well, I think.
2: It is. Because right. assumptions are made. I'm assuming when you're looking at your phone, right. you're distracted from work. Right. When, because, again, assumptions. Right. That didn't happen yesterday, did it? And no, not that <laughs> I know of. Not
1: with Randy, anyway. <laughs>
2: <laughs> um, That's
1: good. No, I absolutely agree. You know, I, I joke, because I'm of uh, uh, age of generation, <laughs> that uh, I call it anti-social media. Because the definition of social doesn't fit in the digital world really. But it's a tool. It is an effective tool. I you know, we all have to use it if we're in business today and if we want to relate with those people that, that is the way that they talk, not communicate. Okay, you know, they, or they type not to communicate. When I spoke to a high school group of kids, I, I said, How do you most of y'all communicate? Well, we talked to each other. I said, Don't lie to me, use your thumbs. You know. So and of course everybody laughs, you know, but that's you're right. That is What is the norm in society for the most part today? You know, even, and it doesn't matter. Every generation's in it because it's the cool thing. It's the lazy thing. It's the the quick way, whatever it is, but it's not effective. It's just never
2: going to be effective. Um, As, as effective as face-to-face communication with body language and verbal, nonverbal skills. Well,
1: how many times have you tried to have a conversation through a text message and you go back and forth and then it's like, what? And huh? And
2: how many times back and forth? It's I get like, to a point where I get frustrated and I just call them because I, I'm tired of texting back and forth, back and forth. Just, We do it in our office here. We use Slack, and we'll go back and forth, back and forth on stuff. And finally, at my frustration level gets to the point where I stand up and just walk into Randy's office. I'm like, <laughs> well, why why are we slacking yeah. through the wall? No, yeah, i right. just going to come That's over true. here and talk. Or right. it'll
0: say something like, come to my office, everybody. Right? Yeah, because
2: <laughs> it's just frustrating. It's good if you're going to share a little bits of information back and forth where you don't need to communicate effectively. Right. But when we get to a point where I think it's something that we need to talk about, I just slack everybody. Come into my office and everybody comes in and we hash it out, we talk about it, we resolve, we come up with the best ideas. So, I mean, the, the technology, and there's
1: always that generational joke, you know, big phones to, you know, small phones to, and now they're going bigger again. And, you know, but it's the same way with communication. We can do that. Hey, be there in five. Okay, that's effective. That's an effective yep. tool. That, that's easy. No misunderstandings. Well, five minutes, five hours, five, you know, what does that mean? Still, it's it's clear enough. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we've all had situations that somebody sends you a text, and the way they worded it, it wasn't offensive, but you answered based upon the way they worded it,
0: it's then balls. you have a big fight. Yeah.
1: yeah. And I ran into this the other day myself. So it's it just,
2: so is it? It wasn't effective by any means, and it caused a
1: bigger problem. It wasn't worth it.
2: I think everybody listening to this can relate to it. We have also gotten to the point where, uh, perfect example, last weekend I forgot my phone at home. And I had to be in a meeting, and so I was in a meeting for four hours. and But no one in my life knew that I forgot my phone at home so they were trying to get in touch with me. They assumed you were dead. Yeah. I mean, literally for four hours, I did not answer a text or a phone call. And they were this short of calling the hospital and the police department because Chip never is without his phone. It's like, I, you know, if somebody texts me, I'm within seconds of texting them back to go four hours. Uh, there was a problem. I mean, people were Literally upset with me, mad at me because you know it was twenty minutes and you never responded to my text. What? In, what Do you guys uh,
0: remember when the first uh, attack in France happened and everyone changed their Facebook profiles to the the France flag overlay? Right. Yep. There was an Onion article that said that uh, you know this guy hadn't changed his his profile picture to the France flag, so people were starting to assume that he was a, a sympathizer. Right. And he was like, and you know, and he wasn't reachable for three days, so people assumed. That he was kidnapped by ISIS or that he was colluding with them, he said, "No, I just don't. I just think it's kind of dumb. I don't want to change my profile picture."
2: <laughs> so yeah. yeah, communication is evolving, uh, not necessarily always for the good. Some, you know, technology does help us in some aspects and hurts us in others. So, so
0: this is the funniest part. This is where the world's going. Um, I'm probably the most recent to go through college from everybody here. I took an interpersonal communications class online. I took the test online and I never talk to a single person.
2: <laughs> How ironic is that? <laughs> oh, that's great. That's that's
1: fantastic. Well, and that's one of the other reasons why program that I've settled on and partnered with 360, the materials, the way it has been presented, allows personal, and for me, I insist and for force personal contact hmm. and feedback and engaging. The, the program is just... It, it makes it work, mm-hmm. it's not a lecture program. Even in some of the larger programs, we'll break up into small subgroups and they've got to work with each other and then they've got to work back together with each other so it's really, it's activity-based. And so it's it's just, it's very, very effective. But it makes it fun when you're talking about subjects like just communication. Oh, you gotta teach me how to talk to somebody better. Oh, you, oh, you gotta make me be nice and listen. Well, wait a minute, in, you should be doing that anyway, mm-hmm. okay? Uh, again, how do you ever know if you asked somebody to buy something, you didn't listen to them and say yes, then you missed it, didn't you? Mm-hmm. And people do that. They just assume, and, you know, you watch them lose, you lose focus. And, Chip, you mentioned the eye contact. There's a tremendous amount of science behind that that I've studied several years ago where you can ask somebody, oh, remember the the day that we went down to that bakery and the smell of that cinnamon bun was so good? You can watch their eyes will move a certain way. That's part of the physical listening Mm. of communication to get inside, you know, yes, we're getting inside people's heads a little bit. That's how you be effective, especially at a coach's level, Mm. to understand people's needs, to listen to what they're not saying. And it takes time to really study that and work on that. And to me, that's what's fun about it. And then I then I go, man. I know how to help this person now, and I I think I understand how they're going to relate. And then I and then I can follow up with them later, and I can hear, oh yeah, you know what? What you told me the other day, it, really, I tried it, and it was it was great. It worked. It's it's working here. Have a client, and this is this falls under the category of results, not typical. Quite frankly, it's it's pretty phenomenal. This young man is in charge of um, several employees. Not much of a filter. Pretty effective salesperson. We all know those type. Uh, yeah. Um, very, you know, very, very millennial. <laughs> well, he's under 30 anyway. And he's like the bull in a china closet almost, which is the kind of subject I love because I'd rather have to pull the reins in than to kick him. Hmm. And yes, he's, in, he's responsible for revenue in this division. Well, prior to him starting the program, after the program, it's five times the revenue in the, wow. into the hundreds of thousands now. And that's, that is results not typical, of course, but it's it's. I thought, nah, no way, he's just pumping it up because I know this guy a little bit. I talked to his boss, he says he absolutely attributes it to this young man taking these skills to heart and applying them and using them, but he's still pretty much the same person, but he knows how to apply and use it now and he filter it now when it needs to be. And he says he absolutely has changed the way he deals with his people, with his clients. And it's it's incredible. He's had to hire a new person, which is now joining the group. Wonderful. <laughs> so, what's the so, biggest
0: difference between how he used to be and how he is now?
1: He is a little bit mellowed, a little bit, a little bit. Yeah, a little bit. But it's it's because I'm a you know acutely aware of it. I'm watching for it. You know, I see the little differences. But others have said yes, they see him not leave so big awake. Mm. Okay. He has learned to articulate better. He has learned, especially, he, he took to heart to the communication part of it, how to listen more and then how to, you know, get the clarity, the, seek the clarity and, and then give the proper feedback, which became three and sometimes four steps, not just two-way street. I have a little saying that I believe in, that I live by. I may do a little slower, but I'll do it once. So <laughs> if you have to have that communication one time, okay. Go clean your room. Or did you clean your room? Yeah, Dad, I cleaned my room. Is it done? What does clean mean? Mm, Yes. Okay, and so let's, wait a minute. Maybe I'll do this a couple times now and not have to go hassle him later again because Mm -hmm. he didn't really do what clean meant. I didn't take the time to make sure he understood what my clean meant. Yeah, clarify the word clean. Yeah. So I
0: always find it's a balancing act when you're working with people people that work for you. You want to describe the task well enough that they can take care of it but you don't want to give so much detail that you're really micromanaging. So how do you ride that middle line there?
1: Well, that's the kind of the thing where I might do it a little slower, but I'll do it once. My style is to take a little more time up front to make sure I have that communication barrier completely broken down and that I do understand that they understand what I'm explaining. Is that's the third kind of like that minimal third step and I understand the person well enough that I think confidently I can know that they are going to accomplish what I've explained and I'm going to make them explain it back to me. Yeah. And, and that seems redundant. It seems like, oh, what, a, oh, you know, just even listening to what I just said, but do you want to do it how many more times? Right. Mm-hmm. I totally do
0: that with my kids. Yeah. I used to do that. I need you to do this, this, and this. And they say, yes, sir. And then I'd say, do this, this, and this. Yes, sir. what I just say? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> exactly. Now they know I'm going to ask, so they exactly. listen. <laughs> and of course,
1: if you believe the commercials nowadays, you know, you can clean your room with a bottle of Febreze, but you know, but wait a minute, is that cleaning what I thought was cleaning? So this is where I had the fun part with the communication stuff. Really, really take, break it down. Mm-hmm. And sometimes it, it gets a little frustrating if the people, especially children that aren't used to that. Mm-hmm. and they're impatient you know oh, yeah they want to just okay I want to go clean it clean means psh, one pass with a vacuum I'm out of here you know nothing else got touched and because they want to go do their own thing they yeah. have their own agenda and one of the quotes in our in, in the material is about you know most people think they're listening att- attentively but what they're really doing is just enough thinking on how they're going to steer the, you know, conversation in their direction or change the agenda
2: completely. They're waiting for their turn, right? Yeah. (laughs) They're not listening. They're waiting over the years. I've taught a lot of personal development courses, you know, emotional intelligence and relationships are a part of that marriage specifically. And it is amazing to me how many long-term relationships, marriages people have been in where they still don't communicate effectively. And especially with a man and a woman that have been married a long time, the woman says one thing, a man hears something different, or vice versa, right? That never happens. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Anybody that's ever been in a long term relationship knows that happens. And it's, uh, you know, any type of marriage counseling or, or relationship counseling or coaching or anything that, that deals with relationships will talk about are you really listening to what the other person is saying? Mm-hmm. Are you understanding? What the other person is saying? Or are you so set in your own beliefs that you're just waiting for your turn to explain why the other person doesn't understand you? And when you get to that point, it's just back and forth and back and forth. And we call it collusion in a lot of our training. It, it builds to that point. So,
1: one of the things I talk about, and you, you mentioned relationships, and this does come down to communication. And I'll ask people, you're married, you're married, you're a salesperson, period okay but what were you selling were you selling what you thought you had was so great to this person or did you take time to listen to really what was going to appeal to this person and then provide what they really wanted that's not selling that's that's creating that, that's fulfilling a relationship you know customer buyer you know customer seller whatever it is if you can do it that way in relationships and in professional world boy you're gonna be way better off yep.
0: I think okay. at the beginning you're a salesperson but to make it last, you have to actually be a communicator.
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. <laughs> yep. Well, you, you got both. You got to become a student again. You got to educate what this person's really wanting. Yep. You're, you got to educate yourself what they really want. But people, that ego gets in the way. They don't want to say, well, I need to change a little bit. I need to find out what's more important to this person. Well, no, they should want what I've got. Who, who doesn't get caught up in that at times? Mm-hmm. Yep.
0: Jeff, we spent a a couple days with you and one of the attitudes that you have that I admire in people is when you look at failure as not failure, but as a learning experience. Can you
1: kind of talk about that? You go back to Thomas Edison. He didn't fail a thousand times to build the light bulb. He found a thousand ways it didn't work. Right. It's kind of a simple analogy. And I did quote Mandela, he doesn't lose, he either wins or learns. Personally, I haven't thought about that on a conscious level until more recently. But that attitude of you know the half full glass type of a thing, and I mentioned to a a friend here just last night. I said, "You see this glass? My glass is full. The top half is full of air." (laughs) You know, I mean that may sound (laughs) cheesy, but it drives a positive type of an attitude that I help portray. That I hope it comes across to my clients too. The reason I'm that, that passionate about what I'm doing. Everybody needs to learn. Continual learning is mandatory for success in any field. Albert Einstein. So all these things are just you know, catchphrases and stuff, but if you take it to heart, make it part of your instinct, your culture, it becomes natural. It becomes passionate. It keeps you motivated and driving, but makes people feel you're sincere, too, so you, it doesn't feel like it's an act.
0: I think of it like pruning a tree. You're, you're taking off a part of it, and that's a loss, but it's helping it grow bigger in the
1: future. Right. Yeah. Right. The tree stump out on the sidewalk? Mm-hmm. Well, that's funny. I saw that yesterday. Oh, did you saw I it took, yesterday? I took a picture of it. Yeah, it's exactly what you're just saying. Yeah, so
0: it's a it's a cut off tree stump, yep. and you know since I've been here it hasn't grown. But it says I'll grow back
2: stronger. Someone inscribed that on it. Yeah, someone we get it so you can have a visual picture. We had a tree that died by the sidewalk out in front of the office, and so I had a company come in and they cut the tree down. It's just the stump, and within a day or two, someone who was walking down the sidewalk took out a sharpie and wrote on the top of the stump, I will grow back bigger and stronger. And it's been there ever since. And now I don't want it to fade. I'll go out there with a marker and write over it again because I love the analogy. Yeah. Unfortunately,
0: it, was, it hasn't grown back at all. <laughs> no, it
2: hasn't. <laughs> it's, it was dead when but, it got but, cut down. But... Wait a minute. Half full glass. Mine's all full. Whatever. <laughs> yeah. you know. Come yeah, on. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. You know, who knows? Someday we might see a little green twig stick out from the side of it. You never know. But... Uh, Very cool. I do like that. So again, you know, we really appreciate you taking some time, letting us interview you and get some insight. Every time Randy and I do a podcast, I truly believe we gain more from it than the people that that come in and talk because we learn every single time, not only about the people we interview, but then also their mindset, what drives them, what makes them who they are. So again, Jeff, we really appreciate it. Best of luck to you and everything that you're doing out there in California. I know I'm going to be out there here in the next couple of months, and so we'll be doing some work together. So I'm excited about that. And how
1: do people find you? DynamicLeadershipTools.com. Okay. Um, I do have a the Facebook web, you know, the Facebook site. Same thing, Dynamic Leadership Tools, and uh, periodically postings out on LinkedIn. Okay. Some articles, but that's about it. The website and uh, just go to the website, or my uh, contact information is on there. Great. Feel free to use it.
2: Okay, Jeff. Thanks again. We appreciate it. Thank you very much.
0: Thanks for listening to the High Performance Leadership Podcast. Be sure to subscribe, rate, and review us. Every little bit helps. Our website is hpleadershippodcast.com. Like us on Facebook at facebook.com slash hpleadershippodcast. Follow us on Twitter at HPL underscore podcast. And shoot us an email at podcast at 360solutions.com.